right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're getting to talk about David Fincher. It's been a long time since we've gotten to do that, but we are talking his new movie, The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender. And joining me to talk about it is Carlo from the Movie Loop podcast. We got a lot of great puzzle pieces to get into on this one, so stay tuned. It's a fun conversation. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, hit that follow or subscribe button, and make sure you get to know about all the new episodes that are on the way, because I actually have like six, I think, at this point, that are all recorded and ready to go, so they're just going to be coming rapid fire for the next couple of months, but uh, yeah. Make sure you're subscribed. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. You also might be hearing this on our Patreon. If you are, thank you for subscribing. And if you're not subscribed, then you're not hearing this on the Patreon. But if you're hearing this after the fact, you should subscribe to our Patreon. It's uh, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there, so check it out. Patreon.com slash Rosen. I do appreciate the support, but also just keep on listening. Keep on sharing the show. Send in your puzzle pieces. All these things are incredibly appreciated, so thank you for being out there. And with all that said, let's get to the killer. All right, it's time to talk about the killer, and we've got Carlo from the Movie Loot here. Carlo, how's it going? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm back here with a, with a, a better film than Spiral. <laughs> It's been way too long. And yeah, I was just thinking about it. Spiral was like over two years ago. And I was thinking about this like right before you jumped on the call. I feel like seven was like our first puzzle piece on that one. So it's funny that like here you are after all these years, there's finally a new David Fincher film that's not a... uh, you know, like a true story of the making of a movie kind of thing. <laughs> back, back to basics, thriller type yep. movie. And you, here you are to uh, help me piece this one together. Yeah. So this will be fun. And, and sure. I'm a Fincher fan, so I'm definitely looking forward to it. I beg for this, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a, a few people actually ask me about being on this one. So uh, <laughs> yeah, th- it'll be a fun one to talk about, though, for sure. And uh, yeah, I think... I think this is actually the first because, like I said, oh, well, actually, no, I did do an episode on Mank, so never mind. I was going to say, I think this is the first uh, Fincher film I've done, but I did do Mank. Uh, I just barely remember that movie, so uh, <laughs> I barely remember doing the episode. Take from that one you made. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one, though, definitely uh, hits you a little bit harder, and you, I think I'll remember this one for a while, but... Um, you know, I, I, I think we should talk quickly before we get into puzzle pieces just about Fincher and the fact that it's like kind of his return to this kind of a movie. I, I feel like, and I don't know if, uh, you know, you might have any Fincher in your puzzle pieces, so maybe we'll be getting to some uh, Fincher in that way as well, but just how you feel this uh, fits in uh, for for his movies. I think it, it's, in, it's very much within what fincher traditionally does because fincher fincher if you look at all his films pretty much all of his films deal with isolated people and Mm -hmm. or obsessed people all of his films every single one and and the killer here is is 
is like that. He's he's isolated. He lives alone. He's pretty much isolated from from, from everybody, and he's uh, obsessed with this perfection and, and all his meticulous um, uh, routines to do his job. So it's, it definitely fits in, in that trend of Fincher. Um, in in what I think that it's maybe a departure, and you kind of touch on that is that Fincher has been moving. Uh, I I commented on this on, on on one of my episodes on my podcast, and Fincher has been moving away from more um, genre films or, or typical thrillers that he did in the '90s, like Seven, uh, The Game, and, and Panic Room, which I think is his lighter film. Yeah. And he he has been moving to more heavy stuff, more serious stuff, starting with Zodiac, then uh, Social Network, and you have Mank. So I think this is uh, a return to something, like you said, basic, more pulpy, more simple, lighter maybe. It's not precisely light, but but sure. there, there really isn't that much to, to shoo at. There is. I mean, there are layers to this guy, but... But it's probably a, a, a simpler film than yeah. uh, Mank or, or Social Network or whatever. Sure, yeah. And I, and I think it's important to say, like, like you said, and like I said earlier, return to basics more than like return to form, which I've heard some people say. And I don't think that's correct because he's always been on top of his game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just a return to something that we all kind of associate him with. And he's kind of like, well, I've been doing this other stuff. I know you guys want this, so here it is. And so now he's doing that thing that we all kind of want to see him do. Yeah. And, uh, it's a better, it's a very stripped down film. Yes. Oh, it absolutely is. And long stretches of just, uh, watching Michael Fassbender plan out these killings, which who doesn't want to spend time watching Michael Fassbender do <laughs> stuff while the Smiths play. So, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> let's uh, yeah. get into some puzzle pieces though. What do you got for your first piece? Okay. Well, I'm, I guess I'm going to, uh, steal the obvious one first <laughs> because um I, I watched this film i watched this film for the first time the day before i watched the killer because i knew it it was going to be a, a puzzle piece everybody's mentioning it and it's les samurai from 1967 this is a film from uh jean pierre melville i hadn't seen it but but it came highly recommended a lot of people have had mentioned it to me a bunch of times and when i said you know i'm going to talk about the killer so why not watch this uh, this film? It's it's November, so it, we're celebrating November as well, and and Les Samurais sure, and yeah. Leonoa. and it, it's it's um, Fincher himself has has spoken spoken about uh, how this film inspired the killer, and you know it follows this skilled and meticulous killer that lives in solitude in a very bare bones apartment. Have you seen it? Have you seen Les Samurai? I haven't, and I was actually also thinking about watching it in preparation for this because, yeah, it's it's one of those movies that like everybody talked about in the lead up to this, even yeah. before the movie was out. Like, this is obviously going to be his kind of, uh, you know, playing with that same kind of a thing. So I'm yeah. glad you're bringing it up here. No, so, so he he lives in a bare bones apartment, which kind of mirrors the. Uh, it's not his house, but the the place where the killer starts in, in this. Um, random office space a rental office space um but he he lives in in this isolation and he has to deal with a hit that goes wrong um it finds himself pursued by different subjects the mirroring goes also to the 
clothing because uh, if, if you've seen any promotional picture of Le Samurai, you're going to see that the guy wears a hat and that's like his trademark. Every time he puts his hat, he likes uh, kind of like uh, flips like the rim of the of the hat. Sure. And uh, uh, Michael Fassbender wears a hat often, not a cool hat. It's it's a more uh, more of a dopey hat, uh, sure. but but it, it, he wears a hat. And even at one point when he's getting ready, he gets dressed and he puts on the hat. He does the same thing with the rim of the hat. At one point, uh, he, he he's a bit subtle. It's not that mm. obvious, but he does it, and, and you know it's like a bit of an homage to this. So uh, definitely a samurai. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it, it's definitely on my list to catch up on. And it, I believe that this is, you know, it's one of those movies that comes up often and has been such an inspiration for so many uh, neo noir style films and, you know, yeah. anything that's come in the last 20, 30 years that, that tries to evoke this kind of a vibe. Uh, definitely, you can go back to that. So, uh, great one to bring up first here. I'm going to go with another one that I feel like is kind of obvious as well um but i feel like it's got to be a part of the conversation and that's uh 1981's thief from michael oh. mann yeah starring james khan uh you know as far as like these intricate methodical just ultra specific guys who are just like really good at what they do yeah. and spending so much time with them and just watching them figure it all out and do the thing and and watching them figure it out is just as exciting as the actual act that ends up you know finally happening um of course michael fassbender's character here you know everything kind of gets screwed up and then he ends up constantly having to kind of uh fix it over and over again whereas james khan's character in thief i mean he's just He's killing it, you know. He's, he's on just, top of he's, it, yeah. Yeah, he's, you can't be as cool as James Caan, no matter, yeah. even if you're Michael Fassbender, you know. Um, so that that is one place where these two movies, they definitely differ. Um, but then on top of that, you also have, you know, cinematography, the score, the look of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like Fincher is probably inspired by Michael Mann in a lot of his movies throughout the years, but a lot in this one as well. Yeah, and, and one thing that, since you mentioned it, I hadn't thought of it actually, but now that you mentioned it, I can I can definitely see the the, the, the similarities. And uh, in Thief, James Caan is um, it's going a bit uh, through through a bit of a, a reckoning with his age and how the time is passing, and 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 he's like trying to you know he he says something to that effect. I think it's my favorite line. I don't remember it exactly, but he says to his girlfriend, um, "This is what I do, basically. This is what I do, right. and, and I'm already yeah. getting old and." This, there's nothing more than I than I can do, um, and Michael Fassbender is going probably through through something because uh, he's he's I'm not gonna say he's old because actually I found out that he has he's my age and so I'm not gonna <laughs> say he's old, but yeah, sure. but but he he's he's a, a veteran he's more of an aging um, uh, hitman. And the fact that he botches this attempt, and not not only this attempt, but he botches several things on the way, uh, which is also a bit of a, a of a comic, uh, a bit of that Fincher dark humor. Um, sure, but it's also some sort of a, a, a reckoning with his age. Maybe I should step out, or maybe this is my time, which in the end he kind of does, I guess. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I was just wondering to myself, like, would James Caan's character in Thief order parts from Amazon if that movie was set today? <laughs> like, it seems maybe, I don't know, there's a possibility, but... <laughs> it, it's, it's hilarious, the, 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 the bit where he buys the, 
uh, was it Home Depot? The 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 tote and and the stuff the the yeah. nail gun. Um, and I I thought this is this is very much of the time because before COVID you you couldn't do that kind of thing maybe that often order and yeah. they will bring it up to your car. Um, yeah. But now, I mean, I do it all the time now. <laughs> I I haven't stepped in a store. I mean, I don't step in stores as as often as I as as I did before COVID. Now I, I order it and I just pick it up. I don't have to get out. Yeah, we're all very lazy now. But uh, <laughs> even even hitmen. But um, <laughs> let, <laughs> yeah, let, let's go to your next puzzle piece. Okay, so uh, my second one. I don't know if it's a bit of a stretch, but but I don't I don't I don't see it. I think it's uh, it's right there, and it's Kill Bill from Quentin Tarantino. Sure. Um, it's uh, I mean Kill Bill is about a killer. Uh, uh, the 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 bride is a killer, um, and there there's uh, several parallelisms that I have first. In Kill Bill, you have uh, the bride. She's a killer that tries to lay low. Then something goes, something goes wrong, and she has to go after uh, those that wrong her. Here you have this killer. Something goes wrong, and then he tries to lay low. But then uh, he he finds out what they did to his girlfriend, and then he decides to go after them. Um, so there, there, there's the first parallelism. The, the second thing that, that came to my mind was how uh, the bride makes her list. And he says, okay, this is where I go. One, two, sure. three, four, five. And that's sort of what the what Michael Fassbender does. He he makes it. We don't see the list, but you know, that's pretty much the the, the way the, the the film is divided in these chapters. I'm gonna see the lawyer, then I'm gonna see the 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 brute, and then I'm gonna see the the expert and then the client. He has this yeah. list, this this ladder that he has to go through, bum 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 bum, which I think uh reminded me from the get-go uh of Kill Bill. Yeah, no, that that's great. All those comparisons make so much sense. And you almost wonder like, uh, if this wasn't, uh, David Fincher, cause this is based on a, uh, a graphic novel, I believe. Yes. Um, yes. yeah. If some other director had taken this on, might it have taken like a kind of back and forth kind of approach to the storytelling, something more like Kill Bill, where they kind of mix up the chapters just to kind of play with the form and all that. Um, it would have been an interesting approach to a movie like this, to a story like this. Um, someone who messes up that one big hit and then has to like kind of go back and forth and we see like everything out of order. But um, regardless, though, I mean, Kill Bill, um, what one of the best of the last 20 years of hit yeah. movies yeah, hit woman, but, uh, but yeah, now a great one to bring up for sure. Um, I'm going to go to TV for my next one. And this mm. kind of goes along with a lot of what I was talking about with thief, but I'm going to go with better call Saul, the breaking bad spinoff, but not okay. for the main Saul, uh, you know, storyline, but for the Mike Ehrmantraut storyline. Um, who is another character coming over from Breaking Bad, uh, who we we see his story kind of crossing paths with, uh, you know, Jimmy McGill, uh, Saul Goodman, uh, as well as it did back on Breaking Bad with Walter White. And uh, everything that he's going through, again, you could just sit and watch him coming up with a plan. You could get like a whole bottle episode of just him like planning some shit out and it would be just <laughs> as entertaining as anything that you would see in like a really action-packed episode of the show. And 
watching him like come up with a plan it's clever as hell like how did they not do that in another movie you, you know like we're talking about ordering parts on amazon i mean that's yeah. something right off the bat that it was like that's just great you know <laughs> you know little yeah. things like that little little touches and uh also i don't know listening to the smiths the whole fucking movie like that that's like just like a little touch that's like such a interesting weird character bit the kind of things that you could totally picture on a show like Better Call Saul, which is one of the best shows of the last 10 years. Uh, I, I need to finish it. Mike is my favorite character from from the whole franchise, uh, yeah. but I need to finish Better Call Saul. I, I, not, not, not intentionally, but I kind of got lost with other stuff and, and had, I need to watch. I think I got to the, it happens. To the half of, of season four or season five and I need to, to watch that second half and the last season but i i need to get to it definitely and since yeah. you mentioned the smiths uh a funny thing is that i don't think i had listened to the smiths uh consciously um but but now i have the the, the final song i have it stuck in my mind <laughs> yeah yeah i've always uh There's a I've double always... decker bus <laughs> i have it stuck in my nice. mind <laughs> Nice. Yeah. They, they will get stuck in there for sure. Um, I, I'm speaking of, you know, just on a little tangent, like I was never really a Smiths guy. Like, you know, my favorite band is the cure and yeah. also Depeche Mode is like right up there. And, uh, the Smiths were always like kind of down the list for me, but, uh, it's still, I mean, it, the music is great. And, uh, I got yeah. to see this in the theater luckily and, uh, hearing, you know, Smith songs for 90 minutes in a theater was pretty great. So yeah. Yeah, and and to keep it in in on topic, I think the way that Fincher uh, used the sound and music was was great, sure. because the it was very clever and intentional that the songs that he chose for every every little bit, every moment that that he uh, put certain songs, and you listen to the lyrics and you say, okay, this song fits what's happening to the character, yeah. um, and the way he used sound, uh, different sounds, even the the. Uh, Something that I don't think I had seen before, but the way that he played with the the sound uh, from the perspective of w when when you're watching the point of view of the killer, you're listening to the song full, but when it changes the perspective, you you listen to the sound uh, like, like it was muffled. Um, right, out of just the headphones. Like, yes, or, yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really clever, and he, he kept going. He, he does that. Uh, he did that a couple of times, and, and I thought it was interesting. And but all the sound in general, that the way that yeah. he used it, I thought it was clever. Absolutely, absolutely. That'll actually come up in another of my pieces later. But uh, what do you have for okay. your next piece? Okay, so for my third one, I have the Day of the Jackal from 1973. It's yet another film with a very skilled and and meticulous killer um, that is hired by by this uh, group to kill, I think it's the president of France or, or something, I, I don't remember. But uh, the, the job goes wrong. So he finds himself trying to hide and, and it's the same uh, logistics of, you know, I, I have to hide. He's very silent. Uh, I mean, he talks, but but he doesn't talk that much. Um, it's very cold and he's pursued by this uh, relentless cop, um, which is something that, that I'm not going to say that I missed it, but uh, Michael Fassbender was always ahead of everybody, and and you know you never see the law going sure. to him, um, uh, which is something in Le Samurai. You you had the same thing. You had a, a, a police officer that's right on top of of the killer here in the day of the jackal. You have you have this police officer that's also on top of the killer. Uh, but anyway, um, all those things, this the skilled and meticulous killer that's really silent, that's hired by a group to 
kill somebody and then the job goes wrong and he has to hide. Uh, the, the, the killer is very skilled, very talented, very uh, precise. All that uh, also reminded me of of, uh, of the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, this is the part where I uh, admit that I've never seen The Day of the Jackal, but I have seen the Bruce Willis remake, The Jackal. The Jackal, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. A very long time ago. I, I don't remember it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Richard I, uh, Yeah, yeah. I, I think somebody gets their arm blown off, if I remember correctly. I don't that might remember. might be a different Bruce Willis movie, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, no. There's so many, like, and, and my next one is also going to be like another kind of hitman type movie, but there's so many that fit in so well here. And it's such like a rich history of these kinds of hitman movies, yeah. like, you know, so absolutely a uh, great one to include on the list. Uh, the one that I was going to bring up next uh, is Jim Jarmusch's Ghost Dog from 1999. Okay. Haven't seen it Oh, yet. oh I've I heard great Ghost things Dog. about it, but yeah. Forrest Whitaker is just so cool. He's just this very zen kind of dude who's just kind of hangs out. Uh, he He's constantly just chilling and like hanging out with his pigeons. And it kind of in the way that uh, Michael Fassbender is like doing yoga and stuff to make sure his heart rate is always like a perfect amount. So he'll be, you know good and ready for whenever stuff goes down uh ghost dog is just chill all the time and when it comes time to do some violence he is ready and he does it and no one stands a chance against him because he is just always ready to go because he's just so chill all the rest of the time and uh Forrest Whitaker's awesome in this role and awesome soundtrack too uh so that's another uh thing that you could kind of compare there and definitely one of my favorite as far as uh, these kind of hitman movies. Also very funny. Um, you know, once uh, once shit goes down, uh, there's definitely a lot of laughs in it. So I, it's a big recommendation for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jim Jarmusch is a, a, a bit of a blind spot for me. I've only seen, I think, one film of his. And uh, mm. it was a couple of years ago. Somebody recommended it to me for the same reason I said, I haven't seen any Jim Jarmusch. And I saw one of his first one, Down by Law. I oh yeah, it's good. I, I really, love really that good. film, really. Yeah. So I, I, I really need to get on, on more of his stuff. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What do okay. you got next? So uh, for my next two, I, I think I'm going more uh, uh, a bit of curveballs. Um, mm. So I, let's see if you see the connection, but I went with The Hurt Locker from 2008. Um, the, the, the things that I had in mind first, you have, uh, another character that's very skilled in, in what he does. Uh, obviously in this case, the, the disarming bombs, um, he's more of a uh, isolated as well. He, he has these issues, um, uh, with, with chain of command or whatever, but the bit that really clicked with me for, for, to get this connection is more towards the end. And in the end, uh, in her locker, I'm going to spoil it for those. But in the end, uh, th this guy just can't cope with normal life. He goes back home. He's with his girlfriend or wife or whatever, and he just can't can't handle it. The, this normal life, and he gets back again in, in the war. In uh, the killer, this guy supposedly okay. He he uh, finished the job. He killed everybody that, that he needed to kill, or or he did what he needed to do. And he goes back to his wife, and you get this epilogue with his uh, girlfriend. And you get this last shot, and, and I don't know if you got that, but that twitch in the end that he does, when he's saying, maybe uh, uh, I'm one of the many, 
and he he does like a bit of a twitch with his, with his eye that mm. kind of uh, at least what I got from it is that he's not comfortable with this life. Right, he's not mm. comfortable with with being at his home and being uh, uh, at peace. I, I know he's he's at peace. When he's uh, on a stakeout, when he's uh, doing the job, and I kind of got that vibe from that, and I thought it was interesting. That's great. That's great. I actually did not notice that, and I might have to rewatch the movie just because I want to see that, and I want to see if I yeah. get that same vibe from him. Uh, but I could totally see that though, because somebody who's dedicated their entire life to something, um, as as good as it looks to, uh, you know, be at that beautiful home uh you know yeah. with your beautiful wife and everything yeah. like yeah i mean that that's who he is he knows it you know so it totally makes sense and uh yeah hurt locker great movie that doesn't come up enough on this show so i'm glad you brought it up here that's great um i will i'm gonna go fincher on my next one uh mm. i'm going fight club for my next one here Ooh. um you know First of all, and I said this on our trailer episode, but the outfits that he wears uh, reminded me a little bit of Brad Pitt's ridiculous outfits uh, in Fight Club, <laughs> like these just obnoxious clothing and like, you know, just who is this guy like that he actually dresses like this? But more so than that, it's just the constant voiceover. It's like these quippy, clever musings on the world around yeah. our main character. It's It's never really talking about himself that much. It's more so just thinking out loud about like everything else going on in the world while kind of passing the time while just going about their business while the plot is just moving along on its own pace. Uh, we are just hearing this person's inner monologue as they just think about the world. And uh, it's, you know, wonderfully written because there's so many great little bits in there. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, too much, you know, voiceover can be a hindrance on a movie, but in both of these movies, also Gone Girls, another one that does it really well, um, you know, it's done so well that it really like kind of just adds to the character. You just get such a sense of who they are and you find yourself like kind of relating to a lot of their things, even if they, you know, might be kind of full of shit a lot of the time too. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I definitely see it. Um, I think it's a... Uh, uh... The, the the narration and his musings, very random musings at times, uh, were were uh, uh, just an example of something that I mentioned uh, a while ago. That that bit of of Fincher dark humor and very dry humor. Um, yeah, there there are there were some good moments of that. I think the one that got me uh, the the biggest chuckle was the guy in the elevator that said, "You need some help with that, getting rid of that body." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That is such a Fincher joke. That is yeah. Awesome. yeah. I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So for for my next one is a bit of, a, a bit of a, another curveball, but it's mm -hmm. yet another film about a killer, a determined killer going through a series of targets. And I went with No Country for All Men. Um, okay. So you, you get um, No Country for All Men. You get uh, Anton Chigurh, who's going through this uh who who has the money and he's going through this list you know i'm going to this place i'm going i'm looking for this guy i'm going to the the uh woody harrelson is on my way i'm going to the the, the big boss who's different route and i'm going here and there uh just going through this list just like uh michael fast and fastbender but um the 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 main reason why i brought it is how no controversial men subverts our expectations um, mm. 
I mean, here in The Killer, I think Fincher does a lot of that uh, because this film definitely doesn't go the way that you would expect. Um, it, in, in things like The Killer botching so many things, which is, uh, I mean, he botches uh, the, the hit, but then he botches like the, the uh, when he <laughs> shoots with the nail gun, the lawyer, where he expects, yeah. you know, uh, he's going to last like, seven six minutes something like that and the guy just dies and he's like yeah. okay <laughs> this is what i was expecting um but you have this killer who's determined to go through the ladder until he gets to the client i mean he goes uh you have the lawyer you have the brood you have the, the expert and you have the client and you expect this client to be some evil mastermind <laughs> but it isn't yeah it's just right. just this goofy looking guy that doesn't know anything uh, you know they told me this and they told me that i didn't know it and that's our final boss and so the the, the film i understand why some people would might say you know this ends with a whimper instead of a bang or how it was anticlimactic and that's those are some of the criticisms that no country for all men get uh yeah. which i love i love no country for all men it's it's a great film but yeah. i understand why some people might say that and I, and I really think that fincher was going for that same uh, reaction maybe uh, I'm not giving you the big boss that you expect. I'm not giving you sure. a big, sh a big shout, uh, a shootout, or a big climatic moment. I'm just gonna yeah. uh, uh, ease down out of the room, just like the killer did, and just go back to uh, my big house in the Dominican Republic. Uh, yeah, and yeah, and sure. I definitely got those vibes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I that movie is just so amazing. Funny enough, I didn't end up putting it on my main list, but as one of the pieces that I was thinking about using, almost the same notes down the line of how you were just describing No Country for Old Men, Payback with Mel Gibson. Oh uh, yeah, I've seen it in a long movie. time. Oh, so good. But another movie where, you know, somebody just has to go down their list to get from one guy to the next guy to the next guy. None of them are particularly that like threatening or like, you know, big boss like, but he's just got to go from one guy to the next and, and uh, he messes up quite a bit along the way. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes right, right along with what you're uh, talking about there with No Country. Um, but yeah, No Country, amazing. I will go with, I, I already brought up Bob Odenkirk with uh, Better Call Saul, but I'm going to go with his movie Nobody that came out a few years ago. Okay, I haven't um, seen it yet. Okay, well, you know, it's a solid, like one of these, you know, every actor gets a John Wick type of movie lately. But, yeah. um, you know, the thing is about that movie, even though there are some good action sequences throughout, really when it comes down to it, the whole thing is about one incredible fight scene that takes place on a bus. And this movie is really, even though there's action throughout about that one fight scene in that house in Florida, um, which is just the best fight scene probably this year. It was so badass. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, just kind of centering a movie that is essentially about a violent person who's going to be getting into a lot of violent situations. Um, and really you kind of just get that one, but it's so good that you're like, you know what? Hell yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, yeah. That did that did it for me. I'm 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 set. That one is good. I'm happy. You know. Yeah, and it, it's weird um, that he puts that big confrontation more or less towards the middle of the film, sure. and then he follows yeah. it with this chapter, uh, which is a more uh, 
sort of existential and talkative uh, chapter with Tilda Swinton, who's great in the role. Mm -hmm. um, sure. Which is a very, very subdued chapter. And then you have this final chapter with the client, which I just mentioned. So it, it's, again, it's very anticlimactic and very risky for him to do yeah. that. Um, but I, I think he, he, he pulled it out. I think I, I really enjoyed the film. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, what do you got next? Um, one that, that got uh, in, in certain spots was the Terminator. It's, in you got that same thing, you know, this killer um, sitting in a isolated room waiting for the moment to get his target. He has this list, uh, just the same, the same killer vibe that, that you see with this guy. Um, the, the hit goes wrong, so he has to readjust and he has to see how he uh, manages to, to, to fulfill his goal. So definitely I got some Terminator vibes at, at some points. I like that. Like in theory, this guy shouldn't be able to miss, like he should be perfect. And yeah. then, you know, he kind of has to keep, you know, fixing mistakes along the way. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So I love that. That's great. That's awesome. Um, okay. I'll go with my last one here. So I I've seen a lot of people make the uh, comparison that uh, this movie is a bit metaphorical about Fincher's own experience as a, uh, uh, a filmmaker. It's kind of like a uh, allegory for, for filmmaking. And while I don't know if I a hundred percent buy that, um, the idea of that reminds me of Top Gun Maverick because that movie mm. I am a hundred percent convinced is all about how, uh, that brand of old school movie stars, the only person who can save the day. And Tom Cruise, of course, is that movie star. And that's what the whole movie of Top Gun Maverick is about. All these young upstarts that are all so good looking and, and you know, talented and whatever. None of them hold a candle. It's really, at the end of the day, only Tom Cruise, an old school movie star that can really win the day, get butts back in seats in movie theaters if you want to take it literally. Um, you know, so that is like a perfect version of that, of an action movie as a filmmaking metaphor. So if the killer is about, you know, this filmmaker who is, you know, trying to get the perfect shots and, you know, is trying to, you know, deal with all these people that he has to deal with in order to get a movie made and all the, just the craziness that goes on in Hollywood and, uh, you know, trying to be a perfectionist type of filmmaker like David Fincher is, but, everything kind of screwing up and having to pick up the pieces and, and run with it and try to fix things on the fly. Um, if that really is what's going on here, then Top Gun Maverick, I think is a good comparison piece to that. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Does that mean that the botch hit at the beginning is equivalent to alien three? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, Although I, I, I will stand up for alien three. I actually love no, the movie. No, so. I, 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 if, if we're talking about the producer's uh, uh, assembly cut, uh, I'm all for it. Awesome. Awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that is my last puzzle piece. Yeah. I, I had a bunch of other ones, which I didn't expand on them. But, for example, the, the, the opening, uh, I got vibes from Rear Window. Um, his, his meticulousness reminded me a bit of American Psycho and also the use of a, of a great soundtrack. Uh, reminded me a bit of that. I had the Bourne films as well. Um, I had Collateral, uh, especially when when yeah. he's with the with the taxi driver. Um, I had Seven, 
uh, also in, in my in my notes. Sure. sure. Um, so I, I, a couple of of Hitman films, but yeah, I I saw a yeah. bunch of parallelisms with other films. So yeah. Yeah, those are all good ones. And I actually, when we did our trailer episode uh, last month, I actually did mention American Psycho in the lead yeah. up to this one, like just based off the trailer. Um, so yeah, I, I just didn't even think to bring it up again now, but I'm glad you did because it definitely fits in here. And uh, yeah, uh, definitely some good ones in there. So I'll read down our list of puzzle pieces and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here. Uh, we talked about Le Samurai, Thief, Kill Bill, Better Call Saul, The Day of the Jackal, Ghost Dog, The Hurt Locker, Fight Club, No Country for Old Men, Nobody, The Terminator, Top Gun Maverick, Rear Window, American Psycho, Collateral, and Seven. Obviously, lots of Hitman stuff, but a bunch yeah. of other stuff as well, though, mixed in there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any uh, any closing thoughts? Anything we didn't quite get to while talking puzzle pieces here? Uh, I, th- I think I managed to get most of, of what I... Um... Uh, what I wanted to say, one thing that that uh, I, I saw the film twice this week. I, I saw it a couple of uh, like last week, and at first I really didn't know where to stand. I I, I was left a bit cold, um, mm-hmm. but I think the second view and I rewatched it yesterday. I thought, you know, I, I really want to get back to this, um, and, and I think it helped. It it improved my eyes, and I think I'm more on, uh, more positive about it. Uh, I think it's technically impressive. Uh, we mentioned it, but Fincher is always in top of his game. The direction is sure. is, is great. The cinematography. Uh, I mentioned the use of sound and music. I thought was great. Um, Fastbender is great. I mean, it's it's a it's a fairly. I'm not gonna say simple, but it, I don't mean it in a bad way. But uh, it's it's fairly one note. He doesn't emote yeah. that much, um, but I think it was great. Um, and and the film needs him to be great because it's all on his shoulders. The only one that sure. I think uh, shares some of the load is Tilda Swinton in that uh, penultimate act, mostly because she, she has a, 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 a big chunk of dialogues. Um, and she's great. She delivers, obviously. Um, overall, I might wish there was a bit more to it, um, more, uh, more more to chew on. Yeah. Uh, but But Overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It 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 reminded me of Panic Room, you know, in in the way that it's. I'm not gonna say it's light, but it's simpler. Uh, Panic Room is is a very light film, very simple. This one is simple. It's not as heavy as something like Seven, um, mm-hmm. but it's also not, which I mentioned earlier, it's not as. Uh, one might say, "quote unquote," pretentious as Mank or, or, or Curious Case of Benjamin Button, um, and I don't mm. mean that in a necessarily bad way. Um, but it's a very, it's, a, it's more of a simple film, very lean, very stripped down, very, very yeah. straightforward. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I was, I was also thinking it almost seems like a pandemic film um, when <laughs> yeah. you know when we're when we're you know, spending those couple of years a couple of years ago like. You know, with movies that are really only like three or four characters, you know, and yeah. everybody's kind of isolated most of the time. Um, it really feels like a movie that was made during that moment and uh, not not in a bad way. It just feels like kind of like the more clever uses of trying to make the most out of small spaces and, you know, single characters alone in spaces. And, and now that I think about it, I, I hadn't really thought about this before, but 
you know, we're talking about this being, uh, again, not a return to form, but maybe a return to what we think of when we think of David Fincher. But I don't think any of his movies have been so based on one character before. Um, like, you know, even Fight Club, even Panic Room, even, uh, you know, all these movies, they, they, they usually have pretty big casts of characters. And really when it comes down to it i mean tilda swinton's got her scene charles parnell has his scene or two it's mostly just the fassbender show for this whole movie yeah yeah so it's kind of a, a new thing for him maybe mank but but yeah i i, I can agree with you yeah 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 well you know i think that does it for the killer i think we got into a lot of good stuff there uh carlo is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners Oh man, um, let me think about what I've seen. I've I've been watching a uh, um uh, some some noirs, film noirs. Um, trying to get the noir member. Uh, yeah. Crisscross with Burt Lancaster was was really uh, a very dark and and very bleak uh, film noir, and I really I really enjoyed it. Um, and just uh, I don't know if I uh, if if this will jinx me but um <laughs> I, I'm, I'm about to have a, a a guest on my show um that is very uh it's something that that's surprising but but I, i'm gonna have i'm not hoping not to jinx it but uh i'm gonna have one of the co-directors of the blair Witch project and um i've nice. been getting into uh eduardo sanchez and i'm getting i've been getting into his filmography He's had a very independent uh, filmography after Blair Witch. He's been pretty much like shying away from from big stuff, and he's yeah. done a, a couple of very uh, low key horror films. Um, and I've watched three of his films, and they've all been really interesting. Not, I, I wouldn't say they were great, mm-hmm. but they were most most of them have been really interesting takes on for example bigfoot um alien abductions um yeah possessions mm-hmm. uh, some some interesting approaches to those topics that aren't what one would expect um they were again interesting approaches uh to, yeah. to those topics so uh, i would recommend them so just yeah no i, I... I have a uh, I have a lot of friends like in the horror community that like really love his post Blair Witch work and like I I actually haven't seen like any of that stuff um you know I I'd love to check out some of it though and that's awesome that you're going to be uh, getting a chance to uh, to talk to him I uh, look forward to hearing that for sure yeah let's right cross on. my fingers <laughs> yes <laughs> I I am sure that all of that's going to go down awesomely uh tell people where they could find you and the podcast where they're going to be able to hear that well uh I've been doing the movie loot for almost four years now in uh January February is our, our fourth anniversary uh so it's been four years um you, they, you can find the movie loot on any podcasting platform um you can find me at uh on, on Twitter is where I'm most active at CGT or the podcast at TMML 2021 and the the, uh, the show is, is very sometimes very hard to to pin down but it's just uh, our goal is to share the best greatest most entertaining and or weirdest film that you could find we dedicate episodes to certain topics we also bring guests like David who has been twice mm-hmm. uh, in the show just to to uh, pick a random set of categories and just watch whatever comes. That's our loot. And, and 
like I always say, I guarantee that anybody that listens to the show will walk away with at least one worthy film recommendation from our loot. Uh, that's something that I guarantee. I think there's always at least one, be it from yeah. my loot or from my guest loot. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think we talked about some really good stuff on that last one. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Everybody check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes. And Carlo, thank you so much. Uh, I, hopefully it won't be another two and a half years before the next time you're back on. No, definitely. Thank you for having me again. Uh, it, it was a blast. Hey, it's Ashley Ray, and I host the podcast TV I Say. Have you ever referred to television as your friend? Do you want 10 more seasons of In Just Like That? Did you rewatch every episode of King of Queens in 2020? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me and a new guest each week to discuss your favorite TV shows and my 90 Day Fiance hot takes and my Below Deck hot takes and basically all my TV hot takes. <laughs> listen to TV I Say wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the killer. Thanks to Carlo for joining me, and thanks to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying Piecing It Together, of course, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is that you're listening, and maybe drop us a little five-star rating and review. That would be nice and very helpful as it gets the show seen and heard by more people, and that's what we want to do here, right? Uh, you could also follow us on social media at Piecing Pods. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, and check out that Patreon I told you about at the top of the show, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon at patreon.com slash Rosen if you'd like to support the show in that way. So I always close these out with a piece of my music, usually my instrumental music, but once in a rare while I will dip back into my previous life as a comedy rapper, and how could I not do that on an episode about a movie called The Killer when I have a song called I'm a Killer, Hey! Uh, from my comedy rap group, Demise and D-Rock. So I'm going to play that and then never speak of it again. But uh, enjoy it, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. I'm a killer, hey, I'm a killer, 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 I'm a killer, hey. Guaranteed in life.
life, yo, what's that? Death, taxes, and demise with a knife. You can try if you'd like, but you're gonna end up dead. Or at least you'll be missing a head, or an arm, or a heart, or any other body part. It's hard for me to stop killing once I start. All the ponders in trails, fucking covered with semen. You better think twice before you slide into my DM. I'm the demon hiding in your closet under your bed. Eyes glowing and my teeth are all red. I'm the noise you hear when you think you're home alone. And then a haunt your dreams, say you think you can't go wrong. You call a suicide hotline. I pick up the phone, but I won't get off the line until your brains is blown. I'm the thriller, a griller, a motherfucking cat pillar. But for real, I'm a motherfucking killer. Hey, ha, I'm a killer. Killing everybody because it's just what I do. Hey, ha, I'm a killer. Killing everybody and they're gonna kill you too. Hey, An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.